This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, my flex learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, host of the podcast, Transformative Principle and author of the book, School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I'm a former principal at all levels of K-12 education and now work training principals on how to lead their schools in a more transformative way. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the nation's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. And today we have an expert in school home communication. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. Good afternoon, Jethro. Hello. Good to see you, Fred. I am pretty excited to introduce Richard Lucero, who's a lifelong educator with over 25 years of experience as a classroom teacher, coach, and administrator, who's worked at all levels from elementary, middle, and high school to college and university as well. He's worked in rural and urban settings, as well as economically challenged and affluent communities. And he has experience from Texas, Florida, Indiana, and he recently created an app called Transparency, which enables families to know what their kids are talking about with school personnel, and it's specifically focused on secondary schools. So, Richard, that was a, a brief introduction. Anything else you want to add about yourself or about Transparency? Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure and honor to be here with you too. And um, the really the biggest thing I can say about Transparency is that um, we created this app in mind with a, a simple approach. And the simple approach being is that we want to promote positive online interactions between educators and students. 
while reducing those undesirable incidents that happen for misuse. That is our purpose and that's why we exist. Me being a parent myself, I have an 11 year old daughter who just now entered into middle school and me looking back as, as an educator, you know, uh, and, and to my interactions, you know, with students and now seeing those interactions that my daughter's gonna be going into, there's no way that I would want my daughter to be interacting with an educator without me knowing what's going on. That's me as a parent now. Um, I want to see what those interactions are. We all know what happens and what has happened on, on, on apps such as Snapchat and private DMs through Facebook. It's that 24 seven access that educators have with students that can be a, a trap, it can be a cyber trap. And so that is my passion as a parent. I do teach a, a strong father, strong daughters class. And um, it's 10 secrets that every dad should know about raising a strong daughter. I'm passionate about being a parent. I'm passionate about education. When I dove into this endeavor, I dove into it with two feet, not really knowing what I was going to get into. And upon my research, I found people like Fred Lane that were out there that were doing amazing things along these lines. And, and those things motivated me to keep going and to keep pushing because I strongly believe that anytime an educator is talking to a student online, it should be transparent, it should be open, and parents should be included uh, in those conversations. Well, a couple of quick questions for you, Richard, just so I'll better understand. I haven't had a chance to actually look at the app, but I'm familiar with the concept because I had looked at some similar things myself a few years ago. So if you could describe for people a little bit about how it works and how it integrates with the school environment. Okay, perfect. Our innovation is what we call three-level engagement. Okay, so we have three levels that parents and, and students and teachers can engage. So the first level of engagement is a simple reminder. Okay, there's no need for a reply, anything like that. There's an event that's happening at school. There's an upcoming test. The educator messages or, or sends a reminder, okay, to the student. The parent's going to get a real-time notification as well to the reminder. So there's a reminder, just FYI, information that you need to go, no need for a response. That's the first level of engagement. The second level of engagement is where the educator and the parent can communicate with each other without the student. So there's pertinent information, divorce is going on at home, uh, there's an eating disorder. It could be a, many things that are going on. It could be a conversation where the student doesn't need to be involved in that conversation. That's the second level of engagement. So uh, that exists. And then the third level of engagement is messages that go out, pure messages that go out from the educator to the student. Again, the parent is going to receive those notifications real time. There's historical logs. Those are all archived. So any reminder, any messages that goes out, there is a log of everything that has been said. So also being an administrator, I would be a strong advocate for teachers and it can be invasive. But if there is an issue that arises, an administrator can request from us, and then we can give that information to the administrator so that they can also be able to view all those uh, messages. So that's it in a nutshell. Those are the three levels of engagement that we have. And uh, again, when we designed it, we wanted it to be simple. We are a message-only app. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't send pictures. We don't send videos. We don't send emojis because those can be misconstrued and then lead on to other flirtatious conversations. And then they can escalate 
And again, we got to keep in mind that a lot of teachers that are coming out, these younger teachers, they're fairly close to age to with these, you know, high school juniors and seniors. And they grew up in an age of instant communication. That's what they do. That's what they understand. To them, they don't see the the, the pitfalls, you know, that can happen whenever those conversations go too far and escalate. So we keep it simple. We're a message-only app. We, we don't sit. We don't do... Uh, you know, seating charts. We don't talk about, you know, attendance or any of those things. We don't have anything. We, we are purely a message only app. I, I can see how schools would say, oh, you know, I don't want something that just does one thing. I want something that can, you know, I can do everything together, but there's wisdom as it gets to this kind of thing where I think we need to set the stage a little bit that there are, there are issues that happen that Fred is is famous for saying, that they are a very, very small percentage of the teacher population. And yet, even that small percentage is too much to victimize and put kids at risk. And so we we need to make efforts to do something. And so what are some of the things that you have observed that could have been prevented by transparency? Well, as an administrator, I've seen incidences where it started out as an email or a conversation, a late night you know, message and it turned into picture sharing. And then all of a sudden we're bringing in teachers and, and we're having to, you know, you know, terminate. These are educators that spend, you know, their lifetime studying and, and getting certifications and license. And then one lapse of judgment, in some cases they have been unintentional and uh, the ramifications are severe. And so we've seen a lot of those cases uh, as administrator and um, those are unfortunate. I can understand, uh, you know, that uh, it's not a majority. But if we can save one child, one family from being so affected adversely by something like this, it can happen. It can change that child's life for the rest of their lives. And so um, that's what we've seen. Um, and uh, I've witnessed even one of my last jobs it was an early college high school type setting. And so these students were already graduating with uh, an associate's degree at age 18. So then if they went into the teaching field, it was not uncommon for them to be working in a school setting at age 21. And so I personally witnessed where a young teacher got involved with a, a student They were caught at a park and guess what? That certification was gone. I advocate for, for students. And that's, that's the other thing with this app, gentlemen, is that we are trying to protect all stakeholders here. Students, number one, obviously, they're the minors. Okay, families, teachers, administrators, and the learning community as a whole. When you look at a school district, we're trying to mitigate those costs that happen with these unfortunate situations. The attorney fees, paying salaries and benefits to someone. Never mind, you're on Channel 4, you know. And there it goes, your school district, you've worked so hard, you've got a learning community of, let's say, 500 people doing the right thing the right way all the time. And then one incident can take that pride in your community and that pride in your school and really just take it and really affect it adversely. And we feel strongly about this, is that if we can prevent some of those incidents, and Fred, I've read your books, and we're not going to prevent, I agree with you, we're not going to prevent, and there's not one silver bullet that's going to prevent a lot of these things. But if we can mitigate some of these issues from happening, then we feel like we've done our job. Well, I appreciate that, Richard. This is obviously an area that is important to me, and it's one that I've been looking at really for the past decade. I think the insight that 
is important for parents to keep in mind occurred to me when I did cyber traps for the young back in 2011. So got a decade now, Jethro, this is <laughs> time flies this is when crazy. you're having fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> or you're locked down one or the other, but the, the thing, Richard, and I'd love your comments on this is that with the rapid adoption of cell phones and then especially smartphones by kids, the significant child parent shift that occurred is that now kids had their own phone number as individuals within a household. And then, of course, when Steve Jobs released the iPhone, it wasn't just the phone number. It was now you could have these messaging apps once the app store got up and running 18 months later. So now it is possible for children to be contacted directly without the knowledge of the parents necessarily. And this is, I think, directly what you're getting at, isn't it? That this idea that parents should be aware that some of these communications are taking place. Yes, sir. Uh, you could Google right now. You could take a break and Google inappropriate uh, contact between educator and student. And you'll, you'll even now with a pandemic, there's cases that are opening all the time. And some are backdated and that kind of thing, but they're, they're popping up all the time. Uh, Fred, think of it this way, three-way call or being CC'd in on an email. This is what our app does. Okay. When we register, when, when the parent gets signed up and gets registered their code, they are the ones that sign up their, their student or their child. And so then they get connected with the teacher. And now we have this triangle. We have this three-way call basically, or being CC'd on email. There's nothing that goes to the student that doesn't come to the parent. And so that's the innovative part that separates us from other messaging apps that are out there. That is, is, is simplicity is like, I was told by a, a wise teacher when I first started and, it, it, and he told me, he said, don't ever say anything to a student that you wouldn't be willing to say to that student in the presence of their parents. And that really resonated with me. And I think that's if we apply that to messaging now and to communicating online, I think it could go a long way. And that's all we're trying to do is, is really uh, put that tool out there and let the value take care of itself. If you're a school district that's out there and you can see that this could prevent some issues from ever happening at your campus, then take a look at it. Because I think as a parent, we're all parents here and we would want that common courtesy. And I know I do. I love my daughter. She's my only child. She's the only girl that I got. And I'm a proud daddy. And I've had conversations with her superintendent. And so we're ongoing uh, about the app. And so those are good conversations. And I know they've got their hands full right now with the instructional piece, with the pandemic. And that, that's a lot that's going on right now. And But I, I've had some conversations with some superintendents and we're going to visit back on this if they wanted to contact us, they'd call the landline. You know, we're dating ourselves now. And then I asked for so-and-so. Those things never really happen. But that's how we connected. Now, according to, to the Pew Research in your book, how many percent of people, you know, age 19, I don't know what the numbers are. You're the expert here, but have a cell phone. 100% blew my mind when I read your book. You know, and how many of those are smartphones, you know? So uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, <laughs> Fred. I'm talking about your book here, but <laughs> There's some valuable numbers in there. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This, <laughs> Richard, this is great. 
but but I'd love to I'd love to sort of bring something in from Jethro's perspective because I think it's really at the core of of what you're confronting, right? As an entrepreneur and an app developer, I would imagine Jethro that the key challenge is establishing a best practice, right? I mean, because the issue is there are a gazillion ways to communicate with kids using various messenger apps. How do you establish, how do you effectively make it part of the culture that something that provides transparency and archivability is what you do? Well, it, there, there are two issues there. Number one, one thing that you said on my podcast a few years ago uh, transformative principle was that adults should not engage in conversations with students without another adult present. So that's just like a basic rule that if you if you have that rule, that's all well and good, but people don't necessarily have to follow that rule like they break every other rule that we have in schools, right? So that that just happens. So the second piece about that is that if you institutionalize it, then it it becomes something that is harder to break especially if you have systems in place to ensure that it happens. So for example, one of the things that, that I've had in, in one of my schools was that you don't have a conversation with a student behind a closed door without a window. And so I, in my principal's office, I had a set of blinds and those blinds were pretty much up all the time because I wanted people to be able to look in and see what I was doing all the time to protect the safety of my students and my safety and, and all that. So I want to steer this conversation just a little bit because we're talking about like the worst possible scenario, but I want to share something that I discovered as an administrator in a district where we were looking at the messages that were going out using another third-party company to, that sends messages. And part of their sales pitch was to get the district to buy it was that if they if the district could see it and, and monitor, they could be able to, you know, provide some accountability. And one of the things that the, as I looked through the messages that were literally going out in real time, like I could see a real time feed of who was sending stuff and what they were sending into what group, there was a coach who was sending out information about uh, job opportunities to clean other people's houses. And for a coach, a school district employee to be sending that out to students specifically was a violation of our policies. Trying to get kids money, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Trying to set up um, fundraisers, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But the way that it was being done was definitely against what our district was saying was appropriate. Nobody else had oversight over that besides one teacher and a whole bunch of students. And that teacher could send direct messages to students as well. And what was really tragic about that is that that person, without really knowing it, could have been at risk of, of losing her, her job because she was soliciting kids for work in somebody's private home, which was just not allowed in our district. That all sounds like totally fine on the surface. I'm just trying to help, you know, kids who are of legal age to work get jobs, but it was very much against our district policies. And those are the kinds of things that people don't think about. And if a, if, if a parent was on that communication as well, they could, they could raise the issue and say, Hey, I don't think this is okay for this to go out, but the people who were receiving that 
that message were only students and it was only coming from one teacher. And so she was basically operating without any oversight whatsoever. And that made it put the district in an awkward position, put her in an awkward position. And, um, and it's really unfortunate that that kind of thing can happen. So there's a real need to have that third person in there so that you have some other sort of accountability. So how, Richard, would you approach this challenge of ensuring that it becomes institutionalized and not just a rule that people can then break? Because people are still going to go find other apps to communicate if they really want to. But if this is a solution that you're offering, then you know it's it's more challenging to do that and people are going outside of the that, bounds. That's the million dollar question right there. And here, here is the issue, especially here in Texas, that we have. We are independent school districts. And so policies vary from school district to school district. One school district might say you will have, you know, zero communication with students on social media platforms or texting. That's blanket. Other school districts might vary. They might allow, okay, if it's a group, a teacher's group, you know, on Facebook, then, so there's, there's variance. And so, you know, I think now to, you know, Senate Bell 7 here in in Texas, uh, talking about stopping the trash and that kind of thing, what they did was, okay, if, if a superintendent or principal didn't report misconduct by a teacher, okay, then their certifications could be held suspended or even revoked at that point. And so, this almost has to be a legislative piece, and that's going to be the hardest part, is to be able to go in and tell a school district that you have to do this. And we're not offering that. Again, it's not the silver bullet. We're not saying we can prevent everything. We're just providing a tool here as an option and saying, look at what we're doing, and if this can prevent those issues from happening on your campus, then, then you might want to look at it a little bit deeper. I, I go back to Fred again. You know, I'm going to quote your book here, Fred. It says, uh, I don't have the page number here, but you said one-on-one electronic communication okay, with a student is rarely, in, in quotations, an appropriate setting, especially at night. Okay, And one of our safeguards is our app shuts off at 9 p.m. It'll shut off and you cannot send messages until 7 a.m. So let's say a young teacher or a teacher in general has had you know, a few drinks or cocktails or whatever. And again, it's at 24-7 access. And I'm, 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 I'm talking about from experience here. This has happened where a message was sent out, a DM, it became flirtatious, and then there was a whole issue that happened out of that. And so we thought about these issues. And again, it's those one-on-one interactions. They should not be happening at all, and especially at night. And so that was one of the features that we did put in uh, as far as a safeguard. So again, back back to, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but it goes back to, we don't have every answer. And like you said, you know, the teacher that's going to want to want to go out and contact that student will, they'll find a way. And you're right in that way. But what we're trying to tell school districts is if you have this in place, okay, I think the likelihood of those conversations and saying, hey, you have dot, we're going to use this app. Let's say we're, we're an independent school district. And we are going to use this app. You use this other app, use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, you use any of these others, then that can be grounds for termination. And at that point, you will not get benefits. You will not have access to health insurance. And again, these are all 
these are beyond my pay grade. I'm not the attorney here. I'm going to point back to Jeff on this. And, and again, you know, it, it all it all ties together. I'm just a guy that saw a problem, saw a gap in these communications apps and said, what can I do to make the world a better place? And this is what I'm offering. I'm throwing it out there. And if it's valuable to somebody, then uh, let's go. I, I can see Frank's chopping at the bit here. I'm going to step back. <laughs> It's very engaging for me, Richard, because you're touching on so many of the issues that I've thought about and written about. I think the automatic shut off piece is a brilliant insight. I mean, because that wipes out a significant window for inappropriate conversations just from the get go. So that's really, I think, a, an important part. I think the culture piece is is important. And it strikes me that one of the real benefits of what you're proposing or a product like the one you've put together is that the very discussion of implementing it encourages the conversations about what are appropriate practices with respect to communication with students, because that's part of changing the culture. People will confront, why do we need something like this? And what are the implications if we use something else? The other thing I think that doesn't get talked enough about is that with some of the more problematic teacher-student interactions, the issue really is almost less about the communication and more about the roles in the sense that the student is asking the teacher to engage in a role that is not appropriate for the teacher-student role. So for instance, maybe the student or honestly, sometimes the adult is looking for a friend because they're emotionally vulnerable with stuff that's going on at home. Maybe the student is asking the teacher to serve as a social worker or a counselor. And these different relationships, what, what my friend Troy talks about as being multiple relationships, create the problems and so at that point, it's it's much more about the behavior than whatever communication tool they're using. Although, obviously, if it's non-archivable and non-transparent, that encourages an intimacy that furthers all of this. So I, I, I think this is definitely a great thing to take a look at. When I do trainings with schools about trauma-informed practices, one of the first things we talk about are what the roles of the adults in the school are. And you cannot ask a teacher to be a social worker or a counselor, you have to recognize that they have a specific role that they need to attend to, and they shouldn't be doing other things. The comment Fred made about that is so powerful because a teacher by nature wants to help kids and wants to be supportive. And so many of these situations can be avoided if somebody else is just involved in what's going on. And so a, a student may send a message to a teacher saying, hey, I've got this going on. And if the parent sees that automatically, they can say, hey, Johnny, not appropriate to talk to your teacher about that. Let's get you an appointment with the school counselor. You can definitely talk to them about that. But one, your teacher can't be burdened by this. And two, it's actually not helpful for you to talk about it with the teacher because they don't have the skills to, to help you process or deal with it or whatever. And and those things, you know, so many teachers are thrust into these positions of having that different relationship and fulfilling a different role, not by any intention, but because of the nature of them being around kids so much. And, you know, it's it's easier sometimes to talk to someone who's not your parent, but 
we have to be cautious about taking on that role as educators. Yes, I think it's the the whole super supervision piece and the monitoring piece. I think that can be um, a situation that is beneficial for the teachers as well. It, it protects them because they're not thrust in that position, as you're saying, of those multi you know multiple relationships. I'm your teacher. If it's about school business, it's about events, it's about upcoming games, it's about your tests, it's about you know how did you do or what's upcoming, then let's keep those conversations on school business and let's leave all the other stuff to someone else. You know, that's what counselors are there for in school, you know? And so um, I agree with you on that. So mm. we're in a pandemic here and as a parent as well, the homework and the assignments and what's going on with my daughter's school and, and the communication, it's difficult right now. It's something that, okay, it's email only and what are assignments are did she get them completed you know what she's telling me you know and what i'm seeing is you know so there's that little bit of disconnect right there and i can see where this you know could also streamline those conversations about academic excellence and academic performance this is another thing that uh, we're trying to pivot towards and saying hey look you can you can message the the student, but you're messaging the parent at the same time, and so uh, there's no confusion about okay, well, my teacher said this was due or it wasn't due. We gave us till next week. There's none of that. We're going to cut all that out. We're all going to be on the same page, and so we're seeing a lot of those things that can be advantageous as well. I I can certainly say, looking back on my parenting days, I really could have used that for <laughs> at least one of my kids. <laughs> we shall not name names. But the thing that occurs to me, you know, with respect to this is that, you know, part of what your your mission really could be or seems to be is is an educational process yourself, right? That you're helping to teach both young teachers and students um, uh, sort of the the parameters, the social etiquette, if you will, of appropriate communication. And this is something that I, I study in other contexts as well on social media, that people really were so early into this process, remembering that really public access to Facebook is just 12 years old, remarkably. And so we're still adapting to the social media rules and conventions as a society. And I, I, you know, the project that you're working on is interesting because it feeds into that educational process for all of us. Absolutely. We're, we're in the infant stages. And I think I look at it as we're playing catch up. We're playing catch up. We are so far behind. And the, oh, yeah. and the interesting thing is, is that our children are so much further ahead of us than we are, you know, they get, they know how to hide apps when they learn that from their peers. And, you know, they, they know about, you know, having burner accounts, you know, Finstas, you know, fake Instagrams and, you know, all these things that, that are out there, they're way ahead of us. And so we're trying to play catch up on this deal. And um, I don't know that we've ever caught up and I know we haven't caught up in schools because these conversations are not happening in schools. Well, what I read in your book about the, the code of conduct and the code of ethics and the differentiation between those two and what's being taught about good digital, uh, digital citizenship and that culture that you're talking about, Jethro, you know, establishing a culture, what are our norms, procedures? 
and really giving giving it its day, you know, and really spending the time and delving into it and establishing that culture. We spent so much time in schools, you know, and I know I'm I, again I'm the the last you know eight years for me has been in Texas is, is focusing on, on you know test results, you know, and academic achievement, and that's all well and good. And we spend time talking about the culture of a, a school and climate of the school. You know, how do we treat each other? How do we talk to each other? You know, how do we work together? How do we collaborate as teams and PLCs? And we spend all of our time doing those things, which are are needed. They're great. That's there. But I don't I really don't believe we spend enough time on this piece that is so central to what we're doing, because we're not going back. We're not going back in time. I think as we see this pandemic right now. You know, uh, and again, I'll quote your book. You said, you know, there's a growing reliance on remote learning, okay, that's going to be exasperated by these issues. So we're not going back. You're not, you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. And so let's find solutions. Let's find better ways to do things. Let's reset. And the way that we were communicating in the past was not as efficient as it could be. And we just feel like if we, if we have this triangle and we involve the parents and we get, you know, the parents engaged in with what we're doing on all levels, then there's, there's no miscommunication. We're clear. And guess what? Academic achievement's going to go up. We're going to stop miss issues, you know, with, with technology. It's just, it's a, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody. And I think we just really need to look at how we've communicated in the past and what we can do in the future. Now's the opportunity to do that. I, I totally agree with you. We're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. There's so much that, I think has accelerated because of um, the pandemic that, you know, kids are emailing teachers when they never would have before because they just talked to them when they needed to. And so we really need more education and support around this idea and specific tools to make it, um, to make it work better. I love this story of my daughter who is just like the most outgoing person and just loves everybody. And she at school was going into the Google chat that the school had set up and she was just typing in random names and she would type in a letter and the names would pop up and she just started messaging people and sending them information. And this was going to people who were at different schools, who were in different grade levels. There were no no protections for her to, to not be able to do that. And, and I really think that we need to do something to make those protections available. And I was appalled as a principal in that district that my daughter could message anyone she wanted. I didn't realize that that was a thing. And I just thought how much of this is going on and how many um, kids are getting involved with people that they should never even have connections with. And I saw that she had messaged teachers and other students alike and of course, I talked to her about it and had a difficult conversation with her there. You've got to be able to, to do something about it. And now with everybody meeting online in uh, Google Meet and Zoom rooms and things like that, there's just more opportunity for negative things to happen. Um, so in closing, Richard, what would be your advice to someone who um, you know, is a parent uh, or in a school and and sees that there are opportunities for some improvement, what would be your advice to them to make things better for themselves and their children? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's about learning. And it's about, in schools, it's about professional development. And it's spending time talking about the issues that are going on and being current on things. 
I want to sidestep a little bit and talk to you about something that the only feature that we're going to add, and then I'll come back and close with that because I think it's important. You know, when we talk about being inclusive and being transparent, one feature that we are in the works of adding to, to our platform is the message only, the voice message only feature, but only for the parent and the educator when they converse that second level of engagement, because you know, we don't realize it, but there's a lot of a lot of parents out there that are illiterate and they can't communicate. And there's maybe a language barrier. And so they aren't as comfortable as texting the written part. And so we want to add that feature. And then that's something that we're doing down the road. And again, it comes back with uh, to being inclusive, to being open, being transparent and cre- creating that culture where communication as is at an optimum. It's something that we value. It's something that we take care of. It's something that we cultivate and that we understand that it's not going to be an end all, but it's a process. It's a journey. And so my message is to get involved. Right now, it's a bit of an oxymoron because we're, we're so isolated. But I would say get involved with your child's education. Administrators, be open to new ideas, to new innovation, to see what's out there and use those technological tools that can enhance your, your learning community. And so our product is out there. We're going to keep working at it. We're going to keep putting it out there. We're going to keep promoting it. And we're just going to see and believe that, that good things will happen and it's going to fall into the right hands and someone's going to value what we're doing. And when that happens, we feel it's going to be a win-win deal for everybody because uh, nothing can go wrong when you're transparent and you're simple and you're just open and you're trying to make the world a better place. <laughs> That's a fabulous note to end on, Richard. I have to say, uh, the computer nerd side of me would have a whole pile of questions, but uh, we'll save those <laughs> for another time. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thank you both for having me. It's been a pleasure. That wraps up this episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we will continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, as we did today with Richard, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we will talk to our growing collection of interesting experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have questions or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones. Fred is at Cybertraps and Richard is at Parent C. That's S-E-E at the end. And if you're still listening, you must have loved this conversation. So please leave us a five-star rating and review in your podcast service. We appreciate having you in our audience and look forward to having you join us on our next episode. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.